Hey everybody, what's up and how are you doing? This is Mandy once again. Just two weeks after the very first episode of this podcast aired, my one and only computer crashed, and in doing so, caused me to lose precious files I had saved specifically for this podcast. Now, two months and three purchases later, I have returned from the technological desert, and I am the owner of a computer once again. Thus, I'm finally able to continue this podcast. First off, I want to again express my thanks to Leslie Winsel for helping me write the script for tonight's show. Without you, my podcast wouldn't make any sense. Thank you, dear. And now, here is episode two of The Dean's List. Before I get into the film, I wanted to give my listeners who don't follow our Facebook pages an update on Dean. I spoke to Deborah Pratt on Twitter on October the 16th, and she said the following. I spoke to him last week. He was charming and funny, getting better. He says thank you to all those who send their love and prayers. He's still in rehab, but he sounds wonderful. Maybe it's me, but I love the laughter we shared when we spoke. She then shared a photograph of Dean with me, which was from the back of his collage book, The Spagyric Eye. I expressed my joy at seeing him looking so very handsome in the photograph. I also shared with her my desire to tell him how much he means to me, and all of us who have been, and still are, participating in the Pray for Dean Stockwell page. She then replied, Your well wishes will make the healing go better. I'll pass them on the next time we speak. I'm guessing this pic is a few years old, but his spirit is still the boy with green hair. What a legacy. Indeed, Miss Pratt. What a legacy our darling Dean truly is. I don't know if Deborah has heard this podcast or if she has shared it with Dean, but if she does share it with him, I would like to personally thank Mr. Stockwell for the last seven-plus decades of his beautiful career. We love you, Dean. Get well soon. Now for tonight's film, I would like to discuss my very favorite of Dean's early career, Kim. Filmed in 1950, Kim is set in India and is based on Rudyard Kipling's 1901 novel of the same title. Dean showed a great deal of courage as well as a tinge of vulnerability in his portrayal of Kim. As usual, he is mesmeric in his performance, and it is absolutely impossible to tear your eyes away from him during the entire film. Not that you would want to. His professionalism is also something to be commended. It is very obvious when watching the film that Dean is a seasoned performer. He is versatile, quick-witted, and he effortlessly sets the tone for the entire film with the slightest wink of an eyelash. Kim is the story of a British boy, orphaned at a young age, who poses as an Indian child so that he doesn't have to go to school. He is incredibly street smart and is more than capable of taking care of himself. Oft times this involves conning the local villagers out of their food. A 
Amid his day-to-day -day struggles for survival, Kim frequently comes to the aid of his long-trusted friend, a roguish adventurer known as Mabubali, the Redbeard. Mabubali, played by the legendary Errol Flynn, is a horse trader by day and a spy for a British intelligence organization by night. The information the organization collects involves a Russian plot to instigate a revolution. A British colonel named Crichton, who seems to be the leader of the organization, refers to this plot as the Great Game. Kim is first seen delivering a message from Mabubali to a beautiful girl in the women's quarters. He swiftly gives her the message, but not before commenting breathlessly upon her immense beauty and giving her a quick and penetrating wink prior to his hasty departure. As shy as he is in real life, even at 14, Dean knew how to portray a flirt. Yes? Who are you? I bear a message. Hmm. The Redbeard chooses well, flower of delight. Since when does the Redbeard risk the life of a boy? Go home, child. Oh, no, in truth, I was sent by Mahbubali, the Redbeard. What is the message? He trades horses on the cooler road. He would come to see thee tomorrow evening. Give him his key. My lord and master journeys to another city. Tell the Redbeard he may come in safety. Caution him to wait until the moon is born. Keep thy beauty in the shade, O dispenser of delights. Throughout the film, we follow Kim on his journey, as he masters the great game with a cunning and wisdom far beyond his fourteen years. As Kim steals a snack from two Indian boys, he spots an elderly Buddhist priest, who stops to rest under a tree. He finds food for the tired holy man, but refuses his request that Kim become his chela, or disciple. Instead, he takes the holy man to Mabubali's camp at Lahore, in order to find him a place to sleep. Here is a priest of the god Buddha. See if he be hungry. The Holy One will come to the fire. I will come to you later. He needs taking care of. He is but a child. <laughs> Mabubali tells Kim to travel with the priest and promises to pay Kim handsomely. At first, the boy is reluctant, claiming, He who travels alone travels faster. But not as safely. Counters the red beard. I wish you to travel as the holy man's jailer. What must I do? I have a message for you to deliver. What's the message? I wish... Sir, I know the ways of horses and seek service in your caravan. Go to my head man. Ask him. Leave it open. Closed doors invite inquisitive eyes. Put up your hands as though begging. Be charitable, O protector of the poor. In Umbala, you'll seek out a man. His name is Crichton, sir. My mother is dead. My father is dead. We'll say to him, the pedigree of the white stallion is fully established. Give arms to the poor, O Maharaja. By these exact words, he'll know you come from me, and he'll say to you, what proof have you? We married in the hereafter. My stomach is empty. And you'll say to him, the red beard has given me the proof. My mother is dead. My father... In the name of Allah, are you the only beggar in this city? Your mother's dead. Your father's dead. Your sister's dead. Your dog is dead. So it is with all you got. Here. Here's bread. Thank you, O protector of the poor. To hear is to obey. Chew it well. I shall be trading horses down the Grand Trunk Road. Perhaps there will be more rupees for you, little friend of all the world. Since Kim trusts his older friend's wisdom and experience, he becomes the holy man's chela 
and embarks on his latest mission for the horse trader, to deliver a piece of parchment with five strategically placed holes in it to Colonel Crichton. On their way to deliver Mabubali's message, Kim and the holy man encounter a king cobra by a stream. The cobra is coiled on top of a large rock, beside several stepping stones, protruding out of a stream which Kim and the holy man must cross. Fearing the cobra will strike, Kim begs the priest not to approach the deadly snake. He picks up a rock intending to kill it, but the holy man stops him. He tells Kim that the cobra should be allowed to live out its life. Believing the creature has been reincarnated in the form of this feared animal as punishment for some unknown transgression in a previous life, the holy man bestows the blessing, May thy release come soon upon the cobra. To Kim's astonishment, the snake bows in reverence and allows both boy and priest to pass unharmed. From that moment on, Kim becomes truly devoted to the holy man and grows to love him like a father. His mission successfully completed, Kim and the holy man travel on in search of Buddha's river of the arrow, the holy man's destination. Each time the duo passes a river on their travels, the holy man instructs Kim to stop and ask a fellow pedestrian if it is the river of the arrow. Always, the answer is no. Tell me, little mother, is this the river of the arrow? The river of the arrow? No, that is the Kanbok River. The sacred river would not be known as the river of the arrow. But I shall be given the power to know it when I see it. Come. What ails your holy man? Oh, he's quite sane. Until he sees a river. Then he's quite mad. Not long after, Kim and his holy man encounter a battalion of soldiers encamped between maneuvers. Kim realizes the army's flag bears the sign told to him by his father before he died, that of a red bull on a green field. Kim's insatiable curiosity leads him to be captured, and his true ethnicity is discovered by the acting British general. The papers Kim has had in his possession since birth reveal that his father served with this regiment. As a result of these discoveries, the holy man becomes Kim's benefactor, begging the general to allow him to send money in order to pay for Kim's tuition, and Kim is forced to part ways with his beloved holy man for several months so that he can attend school at St. Xavier's. Holy one, have I failed thee that I'm taken from thee? I have known many men in my so long life, and jailers not a few, but to none among them has my heart gone out as it has to thee. Never have I seen such a holy man as thou. The days are few since we took the road together. Yet it seems as though it were a hundred years. He is then enrolled in school, but has difficulty adjusting to a strict new environment. His behavior, the way he eats, his mannerisms, every perceived bad habit he acquired from a life on the streets, and a lack of formal education, is constantly corrected at every turn. He is incessantly told... We don't do that at St. Xavier's, O'Hara. Frustrated, Kim tries to run away, but his escape is thwarted, and he ends up being convinced to stay in school, if for no other reason than to see that he doesn't disappoint his holy man. Soon the students are released for the summer, during which time Kim is allowed to continue to work for the Redbeard. By suggestion of Colonel Crichton, who believes he can be a great asset to the great game, Kim is sent to stay for a few weeks with a man called Lurgan. You like being with Lurgan, Saab. It's a different kind of school. Very different. Why should I go to school? Colonel's orders. 
holidays. Tell me, McWoobly, as man to man, did you go to school on your holidays? Frankly, as man to man, and as one horse trader to another, I never went to school at all. Then why should I? Because Colonel Crichton's a man to be obeyed to the last wink of his eyelash. It's Logan Saab. Is he one of us? Well, he's... us. What is this talk of us? Well, I know that you and others gather news for Colonel Crichton. He tells it to the general, and then the armies march. Do they, indeed? I'm no fool. I'm not blind. It is a game. The great game. Is it? Indeed. Very well, my friend. And you will never speak of it again. Remember, you've never seen or spoken to a certain Mabubli who sells horses to one Colonel Crichton, whom also you've never seen. Hmm? I like it not. I think I shall not go to this Lurgensaub. Lurgensaub trains young boys employed in the great game using the art of perfect observation. Here, Kim's already sharp photographic memory is trained to a finely honed edge, and his abilities for retention increase exponentially. He is now able to memorize anything or anyone that he sees in a quick glance, and is able to repeat messages he has heard only briefly. Shortly after being released from Lurgan's teaching, Colonel Crichton then entrusts the newly trained Kim with a message for one of the organization's most valued agents. With the coded message safely tucked away in his mind, Kim travels to the appointed meeting place, only to find that the agent with whom he was meant to rendezvous has been murdered. Concerned with the importance of the message he now possessed, Kim journeys with his holy man to the place where the deceased agent, known as the Fat One, due to his very large belly, was supposed to be. He immediately undertakes the job that the agent was meant to complete. This places both Kim and the holy man in an extremely dangerous situation, as they are now servants to the Russian agents who are being investigated by Colonel Crichton. After several weeks of hearing nothing from Kim, Mabubali becomes concerned and meets with Colonel Crichton, who informs him of the death of the Fat One and the message Kim had carried to him. As soon as I got your message, I came in all haste, side. R3 is dead. The fat one? Strangled by a rope. I... There was one with a heart of a full-blooded stallion. A brain, too, as big as his belly. There'll be a reckoning. I sent a message to him three weeks ago to go to the Khyber Pass and investigate the two Europeans who are surveying in the Himalayas. You must take his place. Did the fat one receive your message before? I don't know. There's been no word from Kim since he carried it. I've inquired everywhere, including the school. He's completely disappeared. I... I'm terribly worried about the boy. Did he carry your message to the fat one in writing? No, by word. I felt I could trust him. I... I... You two are thinking perhaps that he was also... I am thinking only, Sive, that perhaps a boy has gone upon a man's mission. <laughs> we waste time. Mabubali, our ranks grow thinner. Have a care. Sight. I am a man of peace. Fearing for the boy's life, Mabubali rides off to his rescue. A few days later, Mabubali and Kim are reunited and end up working together to stop the Russians. I'd like to pause for a moment to comment on Dean's fantastic professionalism as an actor, for it is here in the film where a prank was played on Dean by none other than Errol Flynn. 
Behind the scenes, Flynn had bet $500 with some of the crew that he could make Dean crack up during filming. The scene called for Mabubali to bring Kim a bowl of food for the holy man. The wager having been made, Flynn filled the bowl, not with plastic food for the scene, but with fresh camel dung, and presented the bowl to Dean moments later. Much to Errol's disappointment, Dean did not crack up laughing, but played the scene exactly as it was written. The prank of flop, Flynn found himself $500 poorer, and the scene was cut from the film entirely. Here I now return to the events that were left in the film. Mabubali and Kim are successful in stopping the Russians and their followers. The success is tinged with sorrow, however, as the Russians fatally wound the holy man during the fighting, and he dies, moments after discovering the River of the Arrow, in the middle of the Indian mountains where they are encamped. It turns out to be a mirage, seen through the eyes of a dying man, one last gift before breathing his last breath. Mabubali comforts the heartbroken Kim, and next we see them riding together in a celebratory parade of marching soldiers. congratulated by Colonel Crichton, who gives Kim a gold pocket watch as payment for a job well done. Mabubali then tells him that he must return to school. Kim seems to agree, but says only that Mabubali's beard, which he had shaved in order to disguise himself from the Russians, was growing back slowly. Smiling, Mabubali replies, Yes, but for you and others, it shall bloom again. If you haven't seen Kim yet, I recommend you get your hands on a copy right away. It is a beautiful film, and showcases Dean's vibrant talent as a young actor in brilliant technicolor. That's all for tonight's episode. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Dean lovers, hold on to your stogies. I want-